excited for our equipping hour this morning. Continue the blessings of what it means to be in Christ. Now, next week, um, we will uh, have our time of prayer as a church family. So, Lord willing, um, all of us will be here so that we can join together in prayer. Um, As we think about this series, this is our fourth week, and the series will probably be be eight or nine weeks. Um, If you were just suddenly got a phone call, and uh, surprise, there's a relative you didn't know about, and uh, they were incredibly rich. They were incredibly rich. And your name, even though you didn't know about them, was in their will, right? And, uh, but... To get anything, you're going to have to uh, come to the little meeting, and they're going to read what is there, and uh, um, is that a meeting you would want to miss out on? I don't think so. You're like, you're in the will. This person, uh, millions and millions, incredibly rich, and you know your name is in that will. That is not a meeting you would miss for any amount of money, Right? Even if you come away with a couple thousand, you're like, I'm glad I went, right? Well, this time, by God's grace, is so much more valuable to you than that. And I appreciate you being here this morning, because this really is about the riches that we have in Christ. Um, I don't know if any of you have ever looked at your bank account multiple times. Sometimes if you've done that, it is like, no, it's, it's still not very much there. Um, other times you knew what was there and you still look just kind of make sure everything was okay. For some of you, this may be the first time looking into that bank account. And you're like, whoa, what riches I have in Christ. Being in Christ is even better than I thought. For some of you, maybe, you know, I could have listed that. But I pray by God's grace, your heart is refreshed uh, by knowing the riches you have in Christ. That this is good news for you and good news that you can pass on uh, to, to others as we disciple. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this morning, and I thank you for my brothers and sisters here. I pray, Lord, that this time would be beneficial to our hearts, that we would just be so overjoyed with who we are in Christ and the blessings that we have in Christ. We thank you, Father, that in Christ there is no no animosity, Lord, that we have nothing but 100% favor from you in Christ. We thank you, Father, that there is no law that we've broken and no commands in Christ that we haven't kept and that we have been justified and declared righteous, and we thank you for that. We thank you, Father, that we have union uh, with Christ, that we are in him, that he is alive in us. And thank you, Father, this morning that we are sanctified in Christ as well, Lord. Please, Father, may this time be be beneficial and fruitful and bring you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to begin with a quote here. This is, if you have your notes, hopefully you're in the habit of getting them. I say this every time. They're on the table outside, the table in front. Um, If you need to get one, you are welcome to to go grab one. But there's a couple resources there. One of them I've mentioned is uh, uh, Complete in Him by Michael Bear. I'm going to begin with a quote by him about sanctification. And it says, Grace never leaves people where it finds them. Grace never leaves people where it finds them. It always transforms the sinner into a saint. And that is true for every person that God has had saving grace. Into a saint, a holy person. God's will is for his people to be holy. The the objective of his electing grace is to bring us into conformity into the image of Jesus Christ. And that is what God is doing in sanctification. His grace is transforming us from sinners into saints for us to be holy people. That is um, our becoming what God has purposed us us to be. And and that's what sanctification is that we're going to be talking about, is God's plan, what is he transforming sinners into in Christ Jesus? So let's talk about what sanctification is first. Um, You probably know that it has something to do with holiness. Uh, The English word sanctify comes from two Latin words, which means to make holy. 
So it shouldn't be a surprise to you that we are talking about holiness. It's what the word sanctify means, to make holy. Um, and that's true of both the Old and, and New Testament. Now, sanctification kind of has uh, joined in it two concepts. There's this idea of separation from and consecration to. So it has the idea of separation from and consecration to. So, so kind of being withdrawn but also devoted to, uh, from and toward. It is from sin, it's separation from sin, and it's being consecrated or devoted to God's service. It's being purified from, 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 from corruption and being devoted to God. Now, in the Old Testament, uh, this idea of being sanctified uh, 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 could be, it, it was a, 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 cer- a cer- cer- ceremonial idea. It was what was being devoted to being used in the tabernacle or temple that included uh, uh, instruments and sacrifices and priests. They were sanctified. They were set apart for temple worship. It's not always separated from what is sinful. Sometimes it's just being separated from, from, from what is common. Um, it was ceremonial being put aside for worship for use in that tabernacle, for being devoted to a certain purpose, but it was also ethical. It also has to do with pleasing God, with obeying him. Leviticus 19.2, famously, um, um, God commanded Moses, speak to all, all the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, you shall be holy for I, the Lord, your God, am, am, am holy. That, that is similar with the New Testament. The New Testament has this idea of being separated from the sinfulness of the world and being devoted to God's service, to being appropriate to his presence. Now, I uh, used this uh, analogy in the past a long time ago about, about, about sanctification, but you could imagine finding a fork in a dumpster. I don't know why you're looking in the dumpster for a fork, but imagine you find a nice stainless steel fork but it's, it's funky, right? It's been in the dumpster. Um, imagine cleaning that really funky fork and devoting it to the king's table. And it's not just anyone at the king's table. That is the king's fork, right? Now, that would take a whole lot of, I don't know if that'd be bleach, how many times you would run that through the dishwasher before you were totally confident that that fork could be appropriate to the king's plate. Well, that is a little bit of what sanctification is. It's us being taken away from the filthiness of sin and being devoted to God. So there's cleansing involved, there's separation involved, and, the, and there, is, uh, there is devotion involved. One uh, theologian, uh, Levim, I don't know how to say his name, if it's Lethem or Levim. Do you know? Love them? I don't know. Okay. Says, so, so, so this is a, a useful uh, 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 idea. At root, uh, at, at the core, sanctification, he says, is a spatial category. Now, spatial doesn't mean you feel really space, special right now. Spatial, it means it's about space. It refers to the fact that believers belong to God and have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of sin. God's son. It has this idea of place to it. I used to be in the kingdom of darkness. Now I am in God's kingdom. It's rooted in the Old Testament distinction between the holy and the common. The common is what's out there. The holy is what's in God's presence. The clean and the unclean. The unclean is what's out there. The clean is what's appropriate to God's presence. At such, he says, sanctification means we belong to God. We're not our own. We've been bought with a price. And so what we are to be pleasing to God flows out of that sense of, of partially space, that we are now appropriate to God's presence. So sanctification is the work of God by which he makes us holy, makes us appropriate to his presence. Are there any questions about what sanctification is? Madeline, was that, was that a question or just a mistake there? She quickly rose her head. Okay, it's... Okay, good. So let's now talk about then what is the difference between justification and sanctification. So sanctification, being, being, being taken away from sin and devoted to God's service, being appropriate to his presence. What is the difference between justification and, and, and sanctification? 
Uh, Barrett says that justification is a legal transaction outside of us, where sanctification is a moral transformation within us. Right? So one is legal and one is moral. Um, now, that doesn't mean that the legal doesn't have to do with moral, but one is about moral change, one is about legal status. So justification, when God justifies you, when you put your faith in Christ, uh, he removes the guilt of sin. That's the guilt of everything sinful that you've done and everything sinful that you haven't done, right? Every law you've broken and every law you haven't kept. He takes all of that record of guilt. Christ takes that upon himself. Christ is punished in your place. And then God declares the sinners righteous. So when we are justified, there is no longer any grounds for God to condemn you. God would never send a justified sinner to hell. That will never happen. Uh, so God's law has been kept. So that's what justification is. It is the removal of guilt, of the penalty of, 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 of sin, of the record of wrongs. Sanctification is a removal of sin's power. It's a removal of sin's power where, where, where God overcomes the pollution, the brokenness inside of us of sin so that we are free to obey. Where justification is legal, it's something that God declares about you, uh, uh, sanctification is about your moral, con, 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 your moral condition. Another dif uh, difference between the two is justification is the same for everyone. Every one of us, if you are in Christ, are just as justified as every other one, which, which is beautiful. You can't be more or less justified. If you are justified in Christ, you are 100% justified. You will never be more justified than you are right now. You will never be declared more righteous than you are right now. But sanctification changes. Sanctification grows, and we become more conformed over time to the image of Christ. We, we, we utilize who we are in Christ more, and, and we grow from one degree of glory to another. We become more like Christ. Justification is, is, is once for all, so we all enjoy it the same. It's also only done once in, sanct in sanctification. Uh, we're we're going to see that there's an aspect of it that, that it is that it is done. There's also, as we know, an aspect of it that is definitely not done and that we are in process now of becoming more like Christ. Justification is entirely God's work. He is the one who gives the, 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 de the, de the declaration excuse me, of righteous, and we cooperate with God's work as, as, as we are sanctified. So that's a, another um, difference. Both are inseparable, though, from our union with Christ. So both of these, and we're going to see, are because of our being in Christ. So that's a little bit of the difference between justification and sanctification. Um, now we're going to talk about, and I phrase this, certainties of, of sanctification. And there's three certainties. And one is that it is definitive. It's done. It's definite, but it's also progressive and ongoing. And it's also certain that it will one day be perfected. Okay? So there are certainties. And the first certainty of sanctification is that it is definitive. It, uh, um, God has accomplished something decisive, something that is done, something that has a finishedness to it, even as we see, and you look yourself in the mirror and how many ways you need to change to become more like Christ, you're like, this is clearly ongoing. But there is a way that it is certain and, and, and it is finished. It occurs at a specific, point, uh, a, 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 a specific point in time. Um, uh, let's see here. Uh, um, a, 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 a theologian named, named John Frame writes this. Definitive sanct sanct sanctification, when you are sanctified, which is, happens to you when you are saved, when you become a new creature in Christ, definitive sanctification is a once-for-all event, he writes. Simultaneous, it happens at the same time as effectual calling, which, which is when Christ calls you to himself and you can't stop from coming. Regeneration, when he gives you a new heart. And it says, he says that transfers us from the sphere of sin 
to the sphere of God's holiness. And there's that idea of place again. This happens. We were just in the realm of sin, and now we are in God's kingdom. From the, the kingdom of Satan to the kingdom of God. It is at this point that each of us joins the people of God. So the New Testament says all Christians are saints. All Christians are holy. Um, if you are in Christ, you are a saint. You are holy. That is definitive. It is okay for me to call you saints. You're like, but, but, but I'm still so sinful. Yes, but there is a definitive way in which you are holy. You are a saint. A great verse of, of, of this is 1 Corinthians 1-2, um, where Paul writes, To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus. Not The idea there isn't that they are being sanctified, that this is an ongoing process. They are sanctified in Christ Jesus. And then he affirms this, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So they are sanctified. They are called to be saints. Um, there's some more verses there. And I put a, 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 a bunch of uh, verses down, and we're not going to go through all of them. I don't know about you. For me, I am more convinced of the truth of Scripture the more times I read it in Scripture. That doesn't mean it's not true if it's only written once. It's still true. But when I see something 20 times, I'm like, whoa, this is like really obvious. Um, so like R Romans 1.7, he describes uh, the, them as called to be saints. That's pretty neat. In Romans 8.27, that uh, Paul says that God's spirit intercedes for the saints. Um, Ephesians 6.18, we, we, we are to be praying for, for, all, for all the saints. So in, you guys are not surprised to see that as, as language uh, 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 in, in Scripture. A really neat verse is 1 Corinthians 6.11. And this has some more of that definitive, already done um, um, part of that certainty of, of, of a sanctification, 1 Corinthians 6, 11. And he says, and such were some of you. And he's describing about how they were before they came to Christ and what kinds of people they were. And he says, such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. You were sanctified, just as much as justified is something that we know that, that has happened in the past. You were washed is, 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 is something that happens along with regeneration. He says you were sanctified. There are other verses there, but we need to uh, keep moving as we think, as, as, as we think about this uh, concept here. Um, so, 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 so what happens in, in, in de definitive sanctification is it's part of that, and it is difficult to, to separate from, from regeneration, um, but it is, as Frame says, it's God giving us a new basic re re reorientation excuse me, of the mind, will, and affections so that we desire to do God's will. So we are a new person with new desires, new affection, new mind. We are no longer slaves to sin. We're no longer under the dominion of sin. We're no longer servants of Satan. We now belong to Christ's kingdom. We become, uh, um, here's a quote by uh, Robert Raymond, uh, we're instantly constituted a saint. And so that's so cool. We are instantly made a saint. And enter into a new relationship with respect to the former reign of sin in his life. That reign of sin is over. And in this new relationship, we cease to be a slave of sin and we become a servant of Christ and God. Now, we're going to talk more about that uh, definitive certainty of our sanctification um, when we talk about our union with Christ. Uh, more focused on Romans 6. But in that way, sanctification is, is certain. It is definitive. It is decisive. It's something that we all enjoy and experience now if you're in Christ. But there's also this way that sanctification is ongoing. And um, another certainty of sanctification is that we as God's children, as saints, are becoming more holy. And sanctification is, is progressive as well. It, it occurs over an extended period of time throughout the Christian life. So, um, 
in 1 Thessalonians 4.3, Paul says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that, 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 that you abstain from sexual sin. So he's, he's saying that you're now called to be what I've already told you that you are, or, or at least in other places. You have been sanctified, and now you're to live out that sanctification. It's God's will that you be sanctified. Or 1 Peter 1.15, where, where Peter calls him to be holy in all your conduct. You're like, but we're already saints. No, he's like, no, you need to be holy in your conduct, in your daily choices. A great verse that brings us together, 2 Corinthians 7.1. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. So even though, again, we have been sanctified, we are saints, we are engaging with God in this process of making us holy, and we're to bring holiness to completion. We are to be all out for holiness. We are to be involved cleansing ourselves. There are other verses there, and we'll uh, skip ahead a, 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 a little bit. So, so now... Um, and we do this because of who we are in Christ, like 2 Corinthians 5.17 says. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The whole old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Now, as I bring that up there, that really is, is part of, of the definitive sanctification that we have, that we are new creatures, and that's good for us as as we uh, think about what we are becoming, that, and this becomes challenging, we are not both old and new creatures. You are, if in, you are in Christ, you are a new creature in Christ. You are both not regenerate or have new life and an unregenerate person. You are not both alive and dead. You are not both free from sin and a slave to sin, right? As God's new creature in Christ, so those who have been sanctified, you're not a slave to sin, you're, you're, you're not old, you are new. You are one new person in Christ. Now, I know that that can be a little difficult to say, wow, there's a lot in me that does not feel very new. And there's a lot of old desires that I have. And it can be difficult to understand the relationship between this new creature we are, this new man in Christ, and knowing why am I still tempted? Now that's to be, uh, it's going to be encouraging when we look that someday our sanctification is going to be perfected. That's not always that it, how it is going to be, but it is now. And scripture uses different languages uh, or a different language to describe that ongoing experience. Galatians 5.16 describes the, the, the desires of the flesh. Or Hebrews 12.1 describes sin that so easily entangles. And it's like, but I'm a new creature. Why is this sin, this sin entangling me? And uh, different saints from, from, uh, from, from our, our, our history have tried to describe this in different ways, that we have this, this, in, this inclination remaining in us to rebel against God's will, um, or indwelling sin, it's, some, it's sometimes called, or in the Westminster Confession, it's called remnants of, of corruption. It's kind of a neat phrase. Remnants of corruption. What was rotten, it's still, it's, it, there's, there's remnants of it. Or Calvin talks about vestiges of sin. Or the Heidelberg Confession said, my sinful nature. But we don't want to s lose the fact that we are one new man, that we are alive. We are, we, we are freed from sin. We are no longer slaves to, to sin. You can kind of think about it as a, a plant. Um, um, it's not a plastic plant. It's a real plant, and this plant is guaranteed to grow. This plant is going to grow. This plant will never be destroyed. If this is a real plant, if, 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 if it's not a plastic plant, sometimes we can look like plants. It's just a plastic plant. It's, it's, it's not real conversion. But if it's a real plant, this plant is guaranteed to grow. It will bring fruit. But that plant is in soil that is is still is 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 polluted 
So you can imagine um, there's, there's some radioactive sludge around that plant. And you don't want it to get in. And, 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 and of course, in a sense, those roots aren't going to bring it up. But that plant is still affected by being in this polluted soil. And there's weeds around it. And so that's a lot of what our Christian lives are, is we want this new person we are, this new plant that is going to grow, that is going to become a wonderful plant and eternally a perfect plant like Christ. Not that he's a plant, but you know what I mean? We will be transformed, but now we're trying to kind of like get rid of the influence of there's like radioactive sludge in the soil and, 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 and there's birds that are trying to pick off fruit and there's weeds that are trying to, 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 to choke this out. And maybe that's a good way to think about it because you know the effect of sin, but you're new. You're a new creature. You are all planned. It's not like I'm half corrupt plant and half new plant. It's not like a new plant that has some, 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 some corruption kind of spliced in. Um, um, it's not like newness sliced in. You, you, you know, you can take like one... Um, bow from one tree and splice it into another tree. It is not like a new nature has been spliced into a, a, a dead tree. It is you are one new plant, but the effects of it are just all over. And that is why we long uh, for Christ to come back. So I skipped it earlier, but 1 John 3 is such a neat verse. Um, First John 3, uh, at a verse 2, is, he says, Beloved, we are God's children now. Now, I don't know how much emphasis that, 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 that now has, but that kind of is like what we're saying, right? Now. We don't have to wait for this. We are God's children now. We've been born of God. And what we will be has not yet appeared. Right? The fullness we haven't seen yet. But we know that when he appears, when Christ appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. When we see Christ, all of his creatures are going to be transformed to Christ. And this is where the analogy breaks apart because you just don't get to show a perfect plant to an imperfect plant. And all of a sudden, the imperfect plant becomes a perfect plant. Um, But that's what's going to happen to us when we are transformed. When we see Christ, we will become like him. So what do we do? Everyone who has this hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. So we know one day we are going to be so fruitful. Everything that's going to come is just going to be gentleness and kindness and love and patience for all eternity. And so we know how fruitful we're going to be. It's not going to be finished until we see Christ, but now we run for it. And he who has this hope purifies himself. We, 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 we crave it and we strive for that. Uh, Philippians 2, 12 through 13 uh, dis, 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 describes this relationship well. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and uh, turn there. I know we're not really focusing so much on how we do this, and we're working our way towards union with Christ, but this is the uh, groundwork here. Philippians 2, 12 through 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not like obeyed perfectly, but as a pattern, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. He's not saying work really hard to save yourself, but work out what you've already been given with fear and trembling. Don't take it in a casual way. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And we see what this, uh, and what this verse says about sanctification is huge. It is God who works in you, and from him working in you, we want to, and we have the desire and the ability to work for his good pleasure. So because, for, because we have God working in us, giving us the desire and the ability, at the end of verse 12 it says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. We are to work because God is working in us. 
Sanctification is, doesn't begin with us. God is the author of sanctification. It's God who works. God works in you. This is why we pray that we become, become sanctified. We, we know that this is God's work. It is not, and one writer writes, it's not, first of all, a human activity, but a divine gift. That's, that's beautiful, right? It's not, first of all, a human activity. It is a divine gift. This sanctification is what God gives to you. Uh, John, John Murray wrote, uh, God works in us, and we also work. But the relation is that because God works, we work. So we work out our, salvation, our, our sanctification. We, we, we strive after holiness. We want to be as, as much like Christ as possible. Because God works, we work. All working out of salvation on our part is the effect of God's working in us. We work because God works. We strive for peace and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Because of God working in us, we are to be striving for holiness. After uh, getting our, our sermon preview, I think that that's going to, you know, are we willing? Are, 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 are we willing to strive for holiness? Or Romans 8.13, are we willing by the Spirit, by, by God working in us to put to death the deeds of the body? Are we willing, 2 Timothy 2.22, to flee youthful passions and to pursue righteousness? Are we willing, and I've already read 2 Corinthians 7.1, to cleanse ourselves from every defilement? All of those verses, we are the ones who need to be involved doing that because God working in us. Here's a, a neat quote the, uh, by, by Hokuma. The harder we work, the more sure we may be that God is working in us. That's, that's pretty cool. The harder we work, the more sure we may be that God is working in us. And I don't mean just kind of like, oh, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to try really hard. I mean, yeah, it's, that's part of it. I'm, and we're talking about in a dependent way, in a humble way, saying, I'm going to today, gonna, the goal to be as much like Christ as possible. And you don't look back at the end of the day and say, wow. I really nailed it, right? Like, that was fantastic. You, you, you get to the end of the day and say, yeah, I worked harder today than I ever had. God was working in me, right? We give him, we, we give him all the glory for that. So because this is, it is pro progressive sanctification, and it's done because of the definitive sanctification, there's also the certainty that this progressive sanctification is going to be perfected. And we look forward to that. Um, right now, you groan for it. If you are in Christ, you're probably listening to this groaning, right? Like, I want to be more like Christ. Um, Romans 8.23 describes how we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies, for the completion of this work so that we are totally in line pleasing him so that the only thing we see coming from our, our tree is just beauty that brings glory uh, to, that brings glory to Christ. So this sanctification is going to be perfected and the aim of that sanctification is going to be Christ-likeness. It is for us to become like him and and and, and I've got a couple verses there I think uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, 4, 4, and Colossians 1, 15, and Hebrews 1, 3. And if you know what those verses are, you may be like, why are they there? But those are verses that are talking about uh, Jesus being the image of God. And so when we become like Christ, really what we are is, is becoming like God in, in holiness, in our affections, in our desires, in what excites us. We become completely transformed to Christ-likeness, and he is the image of God, and we were made to be in his, in his image. We were made in the image of God, and we're going to be restored to that uh, um, so that we are as pleasing to God as Christ is. We know that this is certain, Romans 8.29, those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. We are going to arrive, and in this life now, we all with unveiled face, 2 Corinthians 3.18, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. There's something about sanctification and this knowing Christ. And, and, and it's one of the great blessings of seeing Jesus in, 
in uh, the Gospels, but we also know who Jesus is as we read God's law and we know what God loves. As we see Jesus, we are transformed from one degree of glory to another. We become more like him. Really, I think it is God's spirit. I don't know if there's thinking. It's true. God's spirit in our hearts um, brings us to value Christ, and we love him. And as we love him, we know that that is who we're becoming for eternity. And we unite our working because of him working in us. And we know the goal is to be like Christ. But that doesn't really happen if we're not in his word, right? And it's one of the encouragements of being in the gospels, like ongoing. And whether it's being preached so that we see Christ and see how beautiful he is. We also know who Christ is, though, as, as we uh, read, uh, read, read the commands, because Jesus fulfilled those commands perfectly. So eternally, we are going to be forever separated from any of that uh, corruption in the soil of this earth, right? There will be no more weeds, and all of that is going to be perfected when we see Christ, Jesus' purpose in saving us is going to be completed. Ephesians 5, 26 to 27. Uh, Jesus' purpose is that he might sanctify us, having cleansed us by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that we might be holy and without blemish. And that is what we're looking forward to for eternity. And it's going to happen. So if you come here this morning discouraged, I've got so far to go. Continue in faith. Continue in faith because God will uh, bring you to himself blameless. Now, we wanted to, um, because this is a series about being in Christ, I can say everything I just said is impossible without being unified with Christ. All of those blessings are being in Christ. But there's a passage that really highlights that union with Christ, and it's Romans 6. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Romans 6. And if we could get the uh, handheld mic going, we're going to do a little work together here with a Romans 6. And Honest is our uh, jogger for this week. Oh, and Cademan's willing to uh, help him out. Now, if there's any injuries, I don't think that insurance covers it. Okay, so I just thought it would be neat to read uh, Romans 6, 1 through 14. And uh, is, is, is there someone who would volunteer to read Romans 6, 1 through 14? Do we have a scripture reader here? Margo, you want to read Romans 6, 1 through 14? Fantastic. And w as Margo reads nice and clearly and loudly into the mic, um, what I want you to be looking for, you, you can notice two things. You could be noticing where it says in Christ or with Christ, because I'm going to ask if you noticed any of those. And you could be looking for things that you know. Okay? So two things. You're going to be looking for phrases of in Christ, with Christ, and you can be looking for phrases that include knowing. Because I'm going to ask you if you noticed any phrases like those. Okay? So go ahead. Let me turn there, Margo. I've got to make sure you, you, uh, you read the right passage here. Romans 6. You can go ahead and start at verse 1 now. Romans 6. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were buried before, er, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we, for if we had been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would 
no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died has for the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for, up, for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your, member, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace. Thank you. So as we read that, um, I don't know how to do this. Were, were, were any of you just making little check marks of how many times there was with Christ or in Christ? Was anyone keeping count? Why don't you, yeah, well, raise your hand if you did, because I don't know the right answer, so this is a great time to look really smart. Yeah, Hugo, he was doing it. This is awesome. Five or six. Five or six. Okay, well, let's look real quickly and see if Hugo's right. Okay, just a skim through there and, and highlight if you want or make a little dot and, and uh, let's see. Any in Christ, with Christ, in him. Okay, does uh, anyone uh, agree with Hugo, or have we found more? Can uh, anyone raise Hugo's five or six? Nine? Okay. Yeah, right, with or uh, into. So it's very clear here, and thank you all for uh, doing that. Any last takers? Okay. Okay, so we see that this whole section here is very, it's just huge with this idea of our union with Christ, or being in him, with him, uh, into him, right? Okay, now three times it says we know things. What does it say that we know? As soon as you find one, you can go ahead and raise your hand, and we'll talk about one of those things that we know. Yes, what do you got? Oh, Stanley, Cademan, if you can get the mic. All right, uh, verse 6 says, we know that our old self was crucified with him. Okay, great. So, so Romans 6, 6, 6, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. So our sanctification is tied to our union with Christ. Our old self was crucified with him. So this, is, this verse is about sanctification, so that we would no longer be slaved, that the body of sin, who we were, might be brought to, to, to nothing. We know that who we were, our old self, that, that, that plant number one was killed when, when Christ died. Now, we don't enjoy that until we put our faith in him. But when Christ died on the cross, our old self died with him. Is there another no that you have found? Yes, Josh. Cayman's coming. 
I think verse 3 is an implied no. Uh, do you not know that all of us yes. who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Yes, yes. So, so, so that no, I don't know if that's a no or a not no. Um, but it's definitely something he thinks we know, right? So we know that we've been baptized into Christ. We're, being, we're, we're, we're baptized into his death. So when God's spirit... Through, through spirit baptism, when his spirit comes into us, we are immersed with Christ, we are unified with Christ, and that baptism into Christ, that becoming unified with Christ, is being baptized into his death. So with that, when Christ died, we truly died, and this is where our sanctification comes from. It comes from our union with Christ in his death. Romans 6, 4 continues, We are buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So, in burial, uh, and, and one author says, we're separated from the world of sin. And if you think about it, when someone's buried, they are taken out of this world. They, they're, they're separated from this world. Um, we were separated from this world through death so that when Christ was raised from the dead, we too might walk in newness of life. That's where our power for this new life, the sanctified life, the life of loving God and pleasing God is, is inseparable from our union with Christ. Uh, Christ's resurrection is irreversible, right? He lives for eternity. And if you are in him, your ability to please God is an eternal ability to please God. That will never die in you. You share his newness of life. It is his life in you. It is his plant in you, right? We, the metaphor, of course, is going to break, is, is going to break down. Now, we've, we, there's, the, there's one more no. Has anyone found the last no? I mean, no, not not, but no, K-N-O-W. Nine, yes, Hugo. And uh, you know, you've got such a loud voice, you can just read ver verse nine for us. Okay, great. So because, and that's, that is amazing. Christ will never die again. This is what we know about our sanctification. Your ability to live pleasing to God will never die because Christ will never die. Death has no, he will never die again, and your ability to please God in Christ will never end. Now, I'm going to read a, a, a longer quote here, because um, what we're going to see is that our sanctification begins, it doesn't, it doesn't begin, it begins with Christ. But you're going to enjoy your sanctification so much more if Romans 6 rocks your world. Right? I mean, the more you know Romans 6, the more you believe Romans 6, the more these three things that says we know, the more that becomes what you know, the more you're going to experience the freedom to obey. Now, someone could not have this chapter, and Peter is writing to, 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 to Peter people, and maybe they didn't understand as much this, this, this union, and they still had Christ's power to live a different life. But... And I know in my sanctification, I think in, in many saints, um, this doctrine is so core for them understanding that they don't have to sin and that you can live a life pleasing to God. So let me read, read, read John Murray. He's kind of wordy, but I'll, 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 I'll explain as we go because it's so exciting. There is a decisive and definitive breach with the power and service of sin in the case of everyone who has come under the control of the provisions of grace. So when grace has worked in your life, decisive and definitive. Now he's going to explain why. The Quote going on again. The decisive and definitive breach with sin that occurs at the inception of Christian life when you become a Christian is one necessitated. It has to happen by the fact that the death, Christ, uh, that the death of Christ was decisive and definitive. It happened once. It is just because we cannot allow for any reversal or repetition of Christ's death on the tree that we cannot allow for any compromise on the doctrine that every believer has died to sin and no longer lives under his dominion. Christ only died once. He will never die again. You cannot be brought under slavery to sin again. I'm going to continue. Sin no longer lords it over him. 
To equivocate here, or to kind of to, to fluctuate or vacillate, to equivocate here is to assail the definitiveness of Christ's death. As we cannot allow for any reversal or repetition of that resurrection, only one time, he's not going to come out of the ground again, so we cannot allow for any compromise on the doctrine that every believer is a new man, that the old man has been crucified, that the body of sin has been destroyed, and that as a new man in Christ Jesus, he serves God in the newness which is none other than that of the Holy Spirit of whom he has become the habitation and his body, the holy temple. Well, isn't that exciting, Right? That is, is certain. So, 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 we, so we can't ever be uncertain about that. We can't vacillate on that. You died with Christ and you rose with Christ. And because of that, you will never become the slave of sin again. Um, and, and I do, this doctrine is for so many, and I don't want to be too bold, but where sanctification begins. You have to know that. You have to know that your view, and I know that the youth are learning about this in Roots, and they're going to keep, keep learning about it, um, that, that, that you have to practice this knowledge. And that's kind of where Paul goes next. He's going to tell us some things to do. So going back to verse 9, read forward. And what does he want us to do? If I can have a volunteer. Because everything so far has been about union with Christ and the death and resurrection. What's the first command it gives? Josh. You said verse 4, right? Um, no? No. Then no. I, well, I said starting in verse 9. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, sorry, but sorry about that. I may have said verse 4. No, no, no. You're, you're right. Uh, is it verse 12? Let not sin? Uh, there is one before then. 11. Uh, consider yourselves dead to sin. Yeah. So that is, so we know these things now, and you know these things, so now you have to appropriate that union, right? So that is part of your, your, your daily thinking, your daily sanctification, maybe hour by hour, right? To be appropriating that union. I know who I am. I have to consider myself. Now, that uh, uh, a consider is the same word of how uh, God uh, considers our sin to Christ's account. He reckons it. We have to reckon ourselves. So that's so cool. In justification, God does the, the, the reckoning, the considering. He considers our sin to Christ's account. But now in sanctification, we have to do this reckoning, this counting, this considering. And we have to count ourselves to consider myself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. So it's so easy to be like, but I want that's not how I'm counting myself anymore, right? I'm not going to think about what I want or what I'd prefer. It's not about me. I count myself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Um, and this is where sanctification requires faith, right? Faith is how we're going to appropriate this union with Christ to ourselves. We have to believe this, and this is really the duty that we have. We have to believe that, that this is true of us so that we can then walk in that newness of life. This is a part of our thinking being transformed. Um, Barrett writes, Without faith in the finished work of Christ and our place in him, efforts toward sanctification tend to be guilt-driven and doomed to frustrating failure. And that uh, um, many will testify here that this doctrine was key to them understanding, really believing this is what I am in Christ, so that it's not just me trying again on my own to do something, but that I know that I have the power in Christ to obey. So, so we know what's true, and we need to appropriate that union. We have to reckon ourselves, and then we do have to obey. And like there's, there's more commands in verses 12 and 13, right? We have to obey in the light of this union with Christ. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. It's, it's, 
I, I love how honest Paul is there. Don't let sin reign in your mortal body. You're like, well, how could it reign? It's dead. But he knows what it feels like, and this is exactly what choice we have to make. Don't let sin reign in your body to make you obey its passions. Whatever those weeds are, that corruption is, that, that remnant of the old nature, the, 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 the eye monster, the want monster, don't present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who've been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments of, of, of righteousness. And so as we believe what we know to be true, now we have to say, okay, Lord, I am yours and my eyes are yours and my ears are yours and my mouth is yours and my hands are yours and my thoughts are yours and my wants are yours and my desires are yours and my affections are yours and my mind is yours. All of me belongs to you. Um, this is not necessarily a how to be sanctified class. I mean, really studying this, I'm like, well, we need a six-week class on sanctification. This is so good. Um, but this is at core. Um, if, if, if you suddenly find yourself on an island, you know a whole lot about how to be sanctified now. There's probably less temptations on an island, but you're still bringing your flesh there. Anyways, so um, if you find yourself on an island, you're going to know these things. Just stick to union with Christ. I believe, I, I believe that I've been unified with Christ, and now, Lord, my body belongs to you. I'm going to work because you work. I'm going to strive for holiness because of, of, of how you made me a new creature in Christ. Uh, uh, a, a, a theologian says... Faith is the outstanding means of sanctification, not outstanding like, like there's some so-so means and there's really one outstanding mean, but, uh, but, but faith is the means of sanctification. Believing this doctrine of union with Christ is how we are sanctified. Another says, by faith, we continue to grasp our union with Christ, which is the heart of sanctification. Um, uh, Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. Again, that with Christ language. No longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So our sanctification, so justification is totally because of our union with Christ. Him taking our punishment and us receiving his righteousness. Our sanctification is totally because of our union with Christ. As we live by faith in the Son of God, that we died with him and now we live with him. That is pretty much our time. And uh, thank you for, for uh, participating in some Romans 6 Bible study. Maybe you'll feel encouraged and motivated to spend a little bit more time there. Uh, if you aren't memorizing a passage now, it's a great one to memorize. Encourage you um, th this week, work on appropriating by faith the certainty of what you know about your union with Christ. You are not a slave to sin if you are in Christ. But... I do have to say, you know, we as, 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 as pastors, elders, um, if, if you are find yourself in stuck in sin, it is a miserable place to be. And I know my life as a Christian felt really enslaved to sin, sin. And at times I can feel very enslaved to sin. You let a pattern go, and then you've gotten a new habit of disobedience. And it can be hard to break. All the truth that you need is right there, I think. All the truth. I don't know if I could say that because there's lots of truth in God's word. But that's so key, okay? It's so key. But we would love to help you. So don't leave from this and saying, well, I'm so enslaved and there's no hope for me, right? Um, really, what we do in counseling is try to help people fast track believing these truths and making these truths how they live so that they can enjoy again freedom in Christ. And, uh, and so we are here to serve you. So if you find yourself, uh, I am so confused by this ongoing sin pattern, how can I change? Um, I, we, we would love to, to help you and, uh, and get that thinking into your heart of what's true. Let's pray together. Uh, Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for my brothers and sisters and their eagerness and their willingness. And I pray, Father, that our hearts... Um, and would not let this be stuff that we already knew. Father, I imagine that most of us, and maybe even as we thought about Pastor Joshua's question, he emailed um, ways that we find ourselves perhaps unwilling to obey. We know areas that we need to pursue sanctification in our lives. 
I pray, Father, that you would be glorified, that your work and your working in us and our union with Christ, Lord, that that, we, that that would be so truth that we get into our souls and that we work hard at believing and that we would reckon ourselves dead to sin and alive to God, that, Father, there would be uh, freedom and joy. Lord, in Christ, and for those who are here that are in you, Lord, they have that freedom. And so please, Lord, may they enjoy uh, walking by the Spirit and, uh, and, and, and learning to not gratify the flesh. Now, Father, I do pray for those who are still enslaved. Lord, coming here doesn't make them not enslaved. I pray, Father, that they would experience union with Christ, Lord, that they would cast themselves wholly upon him as the one who saves and transforms, and that if they have not yet been saved, that they would be. Thank you so much for this time together. In Jesus' name, amen.